good morning and welcome to the latest episode of Bet Bears Wade In podcast. We're recording early, nine o'clock, nine-ish this Monday morning. We're going early. We've got a relatively light running order. It feels like a little bit of a steady time of it in racing as a whole. Obviously, York just around the corner. We've still got plenty to discuss, but not as meaty a show as we would normally have. But every time I say that, we end up going down a rabbit hole that gets us stuck into something deeper. So who knows what's coming in the next hour or so. Brendan nods in agreement there. TC, I want to check in with you first. How was your first Twitter spaces? How did it go? Yeah, it was all right. No, no, uh, I managed to press the two right buttons. So it started on time and yeah, it was all right, actually. Um, Ryan, Ryan napped a 5 to 1 winner. I washed my face with a 9 to 1 each way third. So I went off at four. So yeah, it was a good start. It was, it'd be good to get into some high class racing because obviously, as you mentioned, the time between Goodwood and York is very low key, the two Saturdays. But uh, yeah, the Ebor meeting next week should be interesting. We're doing daily shows on that. Uh, did you nice. really look at uh, the, all the races on Saturday for that show? I spent literally all of Friday, yeah, looking at all the other races. Unbelievable commitment to the job. I, um, I, I, I can't remember the last time I looked at a red car card. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it went off fours, in fairness. Went off fours, good shout. Yeah. And um, when was the last time you showed any level, any of that sort of level of commitment, Brendan, to anything in your life? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I just do what's necessary, Vanessa. I'm nursing a handicap mark of life. So uh, if I was asked, <laughs> if I was at, if I was asked to do it, I, 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 I probably I actually I probably would have refused to do it. That I went for a few drinks with a few friends on, including people in the industry, as it were. And one of them said, what does Brendan Jeep do? And I said, I don't know. Yeah, man, 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 of, man of mystery. I was briefly in mortgage administration, but that didn't suit me. So I'm resting at the moment. I'm like an actor. I'm resting. Lovely. Keep it that way. I like the mystery, Brendan. I've never asked you what you do, yeah. but I don't want to know what you do because you know, it's the mystery that keeps the whole show alive. Kevin, yeah. there's no mystery about you because you're spread very thinly around the industry, um, <laughs> including ITV on Saturday. How did you enjoy the Shergar Cup? Good vibe as ever, I thought. Yeah, it's always good fun. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things you, you don't take it too seriously. You have a bit of fun. You enjoy the race. I'm trying to pick a few winners. Usually fail. Um, you know, enjoy the different jockey dynamic and yeah, there's sixteen or seventeen thousand people there, good old boss. So yeah, on we go. What he's failing to mention is that he very much enjoyed being surrounded by three incredibly attractive, intelligent women throughout the course of the <laughs> ITV coverage. He's I'm a sure look at it. as I say, I get all the tough gigs. <laughs> all the tough gigs. Um, guys, let's talk about some racing. We will kick off over at the Curra because that's where the Group 1 action was, of course, on Saturday. But we will start with the very first race where we got to see um, the Aidan O'Brien train, Diego Velasquez, bolt up on debut, cost 2.4 million. Everyone knows the story by now. Big talking horse going to the track. Everyone was talking about him. He went off 2-5 to five for his debut and he readily bolted up. Brendan, I thought he never really got out of third gear, to be honest, until maybe the last furlong where the penny seemed to drop. But, I mean, all the cliches apply. He'll come on, he'll get further, he's beautifully bred. But you must have been there, I'm presuming, on Saturday. So give us some intel we don't already know about. Well, I was there on Saturday, and he's a, he's a fascinating horse from a, a paddock-watching point of view because uh, f- famously, uh, Broom and Point Lonsdale, they're not particularly take, taking physical specimens. So I just assumed that this horse, that the, the, the Frankel had put more size into than uh, Australia had put into those two horses. He's not the tallest horse in the world, and he's not particularly strong through his neck. Now, he does have a big back end on him, which I suppose is, is where the power came from. And uh, the, the fact is is that despite their physical shortcomings, Broom and Point Lonsdale, she, she's a proper mare. Um, I, I can't remember her name, but this this looks like another right good horse. I, th- I think you, you nailed it there when you said the penny dropped. He, he was quite green through, through the race. Um, I suppose you, you, you could say it didn't look the strongest maiden uh, for, from a, a current maiden point of view, but he just galloped away from them, ran through the line. Very impressive. I, I don't know what's what's going to happen with him now. I was trying to get a handle on it for the show. It looks like Henry Adams is going for for for, for the Beresford, so that might leave Henry Longfellow for that 
race on Irish Champions Weekend, the Group 2 over a mile. City of Troy is surely marked in for the national stakes, Dewhurst double. So maybe something in France might be on his agenda. I mean, it's just first world problems for Aiden in this glorious post-Galileo world, isn't it? He's just going to have to move his two-year-old chess pieces around. But uh, this is another very exciting horse, very hard to fault. Okay, that's a pretty good summary of that, Maiden. Let's move on to the Group 1 action, guys. Buccanero Forte, obviously, winning the Phoenix Stakes, backing up his win in the Railway Stakes, unquestionable, um, somewhat disappointing in behind. What was the betting market like beforehand, TC? Because it felt like a lot of people sided with unquestionable to reverse the form with the eventual winner. Yeah, it, it looked that way. I wasn't watching live on, on the exchange, but obviously the... Fixed odds betting suggested that Unquestionable was smashed in. Give me the beat, boys, was an enormous drifter. Uh, oh. People were tipping at nine to two in the morning. That one off tens into SP. Just one thing about um, Diego Velasquez. Okay. Uh, if, you want, if you want to get a potential top-notch two-year-old from O'Brien's, have a look if they've got withdrawn in their debut due to an allergy. Because City of Troy did. Unquestionable did. River Tiber got withdrawn because of the ground. So... If they are entered on their debut and don't actually run for whatever reasons. But uh, yeah, I mean, Diego Velasquez didn't run on his debut because of an allergy as well. So that's three good ones and two potentially very, very good ones. So I just thought that was interesting. I've never heard until this season, I've never heard of a horse being pulled out because of an allergy. And it sounds like it's uh, quite rife at the O'Brien Yard. But yeah, uh, obviously, it's one of the two year old performance of the season, Buccaneer Fuerte. Not much really to add to that. I'm not sure where they're going to go now. Obviously, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a short, it's not going to be a big price wherever he goes, is it? After that performance, that's a, that's quite a stunning performance, beating the Albany winner by four lengths. And yeah, I mean, the thing about ammo racing is we, we've said it all along. I mean, they don't, all these two-year-olds don't normally kick on, but that's its fourth start. That was by far its best performance. Uh, and you had to be pretty wowed by it, didn't you? Yeah, I think you did really, as you say, beating the Philly back into second. And even if unquestionable Kev didn't bring his A game, you can't really fault this horse who was precocious at the start of the season to run so early. But Brendan flagged it up, I think, on racing only better that, you know, physically he's a big lad. Hopefully he'll train on as well. He's sort of got the best of both worlds and he's taken this big step forward again. Yeah, and she looked the pedigrees there as well. He's a full brother to Wooded that won the, the Abbey. Yeah. And um, she, this was very good, wasn't it? Like, like TC says, one of the best two-year-old performances we've seen this season. Um, unquestionable. Unquestionably wasn't himself, but you have um, Port Fortuna and give me the beat boys there to give you a line on it. And um, she looked, he was really impressive. They're talking about the... Um, the national stakes now, which would be interesting up in trip. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't have seemed... Um, wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have been the way that struck me now is the way to go. But look, it'd be interesting if they do it. We'll see his stamina tested, and uh, on we go. Well, you'd have you'd have kept him at less for the time being, would you, Kev? Yeah, like, or I you'd think be thinking that way. Yeah, I think the the middle park. You know, they look, it's it's a, if you want to stay at that trip, it's a small bit awkward if you win the the first group one of the season. But um, look, it'll be interesting to see him examine that trip and it'll give them an idea of what, what they're looking at um, with a view to next year. Okay, Brendan, do you have anything more to add on him? Yeah, no, I, 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 I think actually it's funny the way you see things. It, it would look obvious to me to go up to seven furlongs with him, given how strong he was at the line of the railway stakes. And uh, on Saturday again, he looked like he'd have no problems with seven furlongs. Now there's a there's a big shadow being cast over that race with the with the super freak city of Troy waiting in the wings. But the trainer was very bullish after the race, and why wouldn't he be? The, the horse is absolutely flying, unquestionable. Maybe ran a little bit below his best. It's possible, but I mean the second, third, and fourth were in and around one another. And when we were talking about the race beforehand, we thought they were all going to be in a heat because it was such a tight race. So to put yeah. four to so to put four lengths into them is, is some performance. I would just say very briefly that I do think some cut in the ground is important. And I know they gave good ground on Saturday, uh, but I think there was more reason on Saturday than there was to the railway states. So I know there was the ferocious tailwind for the railway states. And indeed there was a 
tailwind yesterday, well, on Saturday, should I say, wasn't as, as strong. But the race on, on Saturday, the Phoenix States, took three seconds longer to run. So I just think with the way he hits the ground, a little bit of ease in the ground. So he, he should get that in the national stakes. And it's great that they're willing to take on City. Were you, were you there on Saturday, Brendan? I was there on Saturday, Tony. Right, yeah. so is there any reason why... Any physical reason that you saw why Give Me the Beat Boys was, was such a wild drifter? I know, no, no. I know there's money for unquestionable, big money for unquestionable. Beckenera thought he was solid, so therefore everything else had to drift out to a certain extent. But yeah. that was quite striking. Well, I mean, was it that striking? Like he was, he was, he was sort of put in six and seven to one, and then there was a few quid from, and I could absolutely see the angle. Again, we discussed this race at length, and we just thought you could throw a blanket over them. And so there was a few quid into with, with the angle that he maybe did too much too soon in the Coventry, which I could absolutely see. And I think it was just that the the the, the punters came for the other two horses, so he had to drift. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, um, quick mention, back in Newmarket for Fallen Angel, guys. Uh, won the Sweet Solera for the Carl Burke team. Very impressive, I thought, in fairness to her. That was over the seven furlongs. Um, she'll clearly, on that evidence, she'll get further and she'll be potentially improve over further as well. She's 25s for the Guineas. I should just say that Buccanero Forte is now 12s for the Guineas uh, off the back of what he did. But back to Fallen Angels, she's been cut to 25s for the Guineas off the back of this win. Um, Brendan, Carl Burke's two-year-olds just continue to shine. He's having a hell of a year with it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's a, he's a, he's a proper operator, Carl Burke, and he must have been delighted here. Didn't look the strongest race beforehand. I still don't think it's particularly strong form. Uh, but she uh, put an extra. Uh, she 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 confirmed her superiority over Soprano, and indeed added two lengths to the winning margin. So that's very encouraging. She's a lovely way of going through her races. This filly, nothing has really put a put a stamp on that uh, two-year-old filly's d- division this, this year. Um, Porta Fortuna obviously uh, sets the standard. Matric is interesting. The filly of Sangsters that uh, be fallen angel and Sandown, whose whose name escapes me. She she has to get a mention as well. But I think that that uh, fallen angel clearly improving, and given the open nature of the division, she's entitled to take her chance at the top table for all the autumn targets, right? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say so. And I think that you know she's got that great way of going. She looks though she takes a racing well. Um, be interesting to see where they go next with her. TC, talk to me about Voiban being five to one favourite for the Melbourne Cup. Obviously, off the back of another success this time at Nace in Group Company, not as dazzling display as what we saw him do at Royal Ascot, but impressive all the same, giving those lumps of weight away to the three-year-olds in second and third, and has now been cut to the clear-cut favourite for the Melbourne Cup. Do you expect him to stay there? Is this a ridiculously short price, five to one currently? Well, you've got to remember, I think Dover Legend went off 17 to five favourite last year. And Roban's got a, an incredibly kind of like strong profile going into that race, isn't he? And uh, I'm not sure this was as good as the Ascot run, but it's a pity Kev's disappeared on us because I was did a I did a St. Ledger piece before that Nace win last Monday. And I was toying with the idea of tipping Valiant King at 40s for the ledger. But it sounds like they're going to go to Australia with it. But you go and have a look at that Vauban run. I am just massively drawn to Valiant King in second. I thought he ran an absolute screamer. I, I know he's probably already outstayed his pedigree over a mile four, but he was sticking on really well at Nace. And I reckon if they turned around and said, we're not going to Australia with Valiant King, we're going to go and aim this horse at the ledger, I think he'd be favourite. Um, really? now it's, it's obviously a, a massive price on the exchange because like I said I think they are going down under well that was the that was one of the plan and it might be better over a strongly run mile too but I was wildly impressed by Valiant King uh obviously he's taught his form his previous form with um Desert Hero Ascot you know reads very very well now after that after the after the King and Queen's horse one at uh the Gordon Stakes no uh Vauban yep I've got no arguments with that kind of price I wouldn't, wouldn't dream of having a bet because I don't know about 18 uh, Australian rivals. But um, no, I want to I, I want to be keep a close eye on the second because I thought that I think that's a very, very good horse in Valiant King. Well, we're missing Kev here because I wanted to ask him a question about Fallen Angels pedigree as well. But we'll we'll throw Valiant King at him when he comes back. 
obviously some sort of disaster has struck because it's very rare for Kevin to leave the room, but he has left the room for the time being. Uh, let's roll on, Brendan. In Spiral, back to Group 1 Company. Um, back for us to talk about Group 1 Company. I mean, in terms of the pre-Jack Lamara, obviously she's bounced back by winning that from her Sussex Stakes run, where we all know she was looked after in the closing stages once beaten in that heavy ground against Paddington. And then she comes back here, goes to Deauville, pre-Jack Lamara, Ah, Kev's back. Kevin, before we, we were just about to move on to Inspiral and talking about the Pre-Jack Lamarawa, but before we do, we were talking about Boban and whether five to one is the right price from the Melbourne Cup. But what I wanted to ask you about, or what TC wanted to ask you about, sorry, is Valiant King back in second. His point being that we know it's been spoken about that he's going off to Australia, but if he wasn't to go off to Australia... TC made the bold statement that he thought he'd be favourite for the St. Ledger. Um, yeah, so what's happened there is Aussie Connections have bought into him. And um, wow. and his run the other day was very much with a view to that. Um, trying to get him high enough for the Caulfield Cup and going into the race. Um, it, it was kind of two-pronged. You, you have to finish in the in the first three in a group race to qualify, basically, to, to satisfy the balloting. Um, conditions for those big races in Australia. So finishing the first three was goal one and goal two was hopefully get them up in the ratings. And for the, the Caulfield Cup, and um, you kind of want to be 108, 109, 110. And he's gone up to 109. So yeah, it was oh, good job. Two, two, two boxes ticked quite nicely there. And um, so the pressure is off now. And um, he'll probably have one more run before he goes down. Um, Maybe, maybe the, the kill turn and stakes at um, an Irish Champions weekend, maybe. But um, yeah, Caulfield Cup is the is the main target. Um, so that'll be he'll be a fascinating contender now. Like he's always worked like a really good horse. Um, like can like <laughs> considering his mark has gone from eighty three to one hundred nine, probably hasn't been well rewarded for that yet. But uh, the big prize could yet be to come. Okay, does that satisfy you, TC? No, I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was a huge performance. Before we go into Inspire, I think there was a couple of performances at the Cara that Brendan wanted to chime in with. We were going to get to them, but we can do them oh, now. I'm sorry, I thought I thought we no, were going no. international now. So. Uh, no, I, was, I don't know. I was sort of just feeling my way. But go on then. As you brought it up, Brent, um, TC, let's throw it to you, Brendan. A couple of extra performances you want to mention, not necessarily of winners, but potentially beaten horses as well, to give our listeners and viewers a little flag up to, please. Yes, a couple of uh, horses, very different specimens. Red Verburnum, who's a, a pony and not much to look at at all, but clearly goes well at home. She was very well backed overnight and sustained support in a, a, a winner's race, a Phillies race at the Curra on Saturday. Went off nine to four, five, and they, she, she was third, narrowly beaten by two promising Phillies who had won last time out. Now, Granted, she was getting weighed off them for that reason, but shaped very much as the best filly in that race. And I suspect she will be go going forward. And Cherry Blossom, who I suppose was, came well advertised, the fact that she was pitched into listed company on, on her debut, she romped home by five lengths in an admittedly weak maiden. But given where she started off, and she is a really, she is a very impressive uh, physical specimen. She, she should do very well from two to three and wouldn't be surprised that she'd be straight back into stakes company. You, you could definitely see her ended up in a Chibi Park. Okay. And TC, whilst we're here, do you want to do your extras as well? I know you wanted to give a mention to Sim Camille and any others in there? Or yeah, so, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, sorry for putting you off just right. Uh, yeah, we'll come on to Instagram in a moment. But yeah, I just thought a couple of art, notable art trials. Uh, Sim Camille. Uh, didn't go to uh, the King George because of the uh, because connection said he needed fast ground. Um, won very very easily, far more easily than the the you know the the winning margin suggests. Go and have a look at that race. And obviously, you know, sometimes we're quite dismissive of you know that German Group One, but the three the last three winners have been Rebels Romance, who went on to win a Breeders' Cup turf by two odd lengths. Uh, and then you've got Alpinista and Torquetto uh, Tocasso. That won the previous two renewals. And I thought Sim Camille uh, is, is very, very interesting. The problem is it's not grounded in fact, but the trainer reckons it needs fast going. Um, it clearly doesn't, but that's what he thinks. So 
bear that in mind if you're thinking about backing Sim Camille for the arc. And the other one was Plash de Carousel, who, who boot Nashua uh, above the curve in the pre opera season. Sounds like um, Andre Fab is going to target this four-year-old filly for the arc as well, and that's currently 50s on the sports book. Well, if, you want, okay. if you're talking about the arc, you better um, better be tuning into Deauville tomorrow. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a yeah. There's a there's a group two there that's potentially going to be really good. Um, Ace Impact who who bolted up in the in the Prix de Jockey Club, taking on um, Al Riffa, Victoria Road, making his belated comeback. Um, promises to be a right old race. What nice, sort of race nice. planning is this? What are you taking on the best horse in Europe for? <laughs> yeah. When you when you when you when you take the swing at the big dog, Juki, you don't have, you don't have far to fall if you if you, yeah, if you yeah, pull it yeah, off. Yeah. Your, if you pull it off, you're a genius. If you finish second to him, there's not much loss. But it um yeah, his his program just got messed about a bit when he missed the Irish Guineas. It put him on a it put him on the wrong stride as such. So um it it represent a nice step. It, it was you know it was this or the the you know the job the Judmont International and um, this this made plenty of sense. So. Um, yeah, I think everyone involved will know where they stand after taking on Ace Impact. But uh, the one thing, in seriousness, the one thing I'd say about Ace Impact is um, <clears throat> looked brilliant last time, unquestionably, um, really, really good. But that that was a very unusual race in that um, Big Rock, who who we saw getting beat in the in the Jack de Marois yesterday, like he went record record setting pace the whole way, like end to end, and Ace Impact was ridden ice cold out the back. And um, and obviously flew late, but God, I'd be surprised if this race pans out anything like that. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he's like in a more typical circumstance now. Yeah, um, so I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a good day to go and have a swing at him. So we'll see. Interesting little midweek treat in Dover, um, in France this week, and well, that's on Tuesday, happening on Tuesday. And also Newcastle, eight race card at Newcastle Tuesday evening. So you've got a perfect <laughs> day on Sky Sports Racing. Just stay tuned all day. You get all the good stuff. Uh, right. We've, we've hyped it up long enough and we've taken a few diversions here. But should we now talk about Inspiral? I feel like oh, now's yeah. the time. Uh, Prejat the Marara yeah. winner under yeah. a brilliant ride from Frankie Vittori. She gets back on track. She's now 9-4 from threes for the Sun Chariot. She's also been cut for Breeders' Cup Mile in the QE2 as well. Um, but the point being, sort of Frankie, the main focus point here, really, Kev, we will start with you here. Um, an exceptional ride. Obviously, she's a very good filly when she gets her circumstances, but this day turned out to be all about Vittori, really. Yeah, they're a bit unfairly. I would have made it all about um all about the Gosmans. Um so I thought this was right. I thought this was a really punchy thing to do. Um to back her up as like and I I've I've had a theory with her for a while that she's best fresh. So to see her turning up here off the back of a bit of a slog at Goodwood um eleven days earlier when she got, you know, when she disappeared out the back of the telly on rotten ground, I'm like, oh god, this is punchy. And uh, she turns up and, and looks as good as ever, you know, so fair play to them. Um, big day for Frankie, but it was his fourth Jack the Marwa in a row, um, beating a horse I like a lot in, in Big Rock, dropping back in trip. Um, yeah, and the, the, the form adds up. She looked, she was she was right on top of light infantry in the race last year, but this this time there was no um, you know, it, it was lengths rather than rather than inches in the difference. And um, yeah, look, she she's just really good. She's not the easiest to work out. But um, the the one thing you can say with certainty is that like she is top class. Um, it just it doesn't happen every day she turns up. But when it does happen, she she's very very good and um, is well capable of beating the boys. Clearly, yeah, absolutely. She seems to need circumstance and mood to be right. But as you say, when everything clicks, she is top class. Uh, Brendan, I guess lots was made about the Frankie factor, but as Kevin said, pulling it back to the Philly and the connections themselves. Um, it was one of those performances that I I wasn't expecting from her. No. But did, did Frankie make the difference here? Should it, is it right well, that it's all about Frankie? Well, well, I mean, I, I suppose it's all about the team. But certainly, I assume Frankie talked to Johnny G and Johnny G talked to at the races and said, I hate this draw. 
So the solution yeah. to that draw was to drop in and hope that Big Rock goes a good gallop, which made sense with him dropping back and trip. And that's exactly the way it, it, it transpired. And Frankie executed those uh, tactics beautifully. Uh, she ended up uh, effectively having to compete the opposite draw with, with, with the way he rode her. But yeah, uh, uh, mad props uh, to the fitty, as Kevin mentioned, a tough, tough task in, in, in Goodwood. It's just such a shame about that weather, wasn't it? Because you really feel like uh, on, on her day, getting that sex allowance, she would have put it up to Paddington. Um, I'm not saying she, she, she'd have beaten him. Obviously, he's a, he, he's, a, he's a proper horse too, but but it was a shame. But she showed great tenacity. And I suppose, have we been a bit harsh on her, Vanessa? Because I've been like you, oh, can you trust her? She throws in the odd bad run. It's oh, it's the very odd bad run, isn't it? She's, she's building up some body of work at this stage. And uh, that, that that was that was a proper race in, in Deauville. And just to, to, to wedge in the... Irish champion stakes reference. Onesto, you would have seen back in uh, fourth, was a, a narrow runner-up in last year's Irish champion stakes, was making a seasonal debut over a mile, not knocked about. Now, I mean, it was a group one race. He was trying, obviously, but I think they, it, with a view to bigger autumn targets, including the arc, but we'll probably see him in the Irish champion stakes. And there have been developments during the week. Aidan O'Brien was on saying that they're targeting Auguste Rodin at the Irish Champion States, which is, of course, a cruel blow for all of us who were planning to dress up as Paddington. Uh, I don't know exactly what's, what's, what's going to happen there, whether Aidan factored that into his calculations. Possibly not. Uh, so it, it, it may be that Pad <laughs> Paddington, Paddington has a September off, which just completely, I mean, blows your mind that this horse can't have a month off but of course a lot could happen and a lot depends on the judgment but I thought it was interesting from a tactical dimension for Aiden because if it was me and maybe I'm just being, being uber cynical I would let Paddington hopefully win the judgment and pretend we're going to run him scare away all the opposition and clear the way for the road and for the Irish Champions States but Aiden the sportsman to his bootstraps didn't do that I like the fact that we've got the Aiden loving in. We've got the Irish Champion Stakes referencing. We've ticked a load off there unexpectedly yeah. isn't, in the um, spiral section. Isn't um, August Rodin? Isn't he a philosopher? So that if 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 Blake, if um if Juki actually dressed up as a philosopher on uh, Irish Champion Stakes, it might be a better fit for you, mightn't it? He's a sculptor. He's a sculptor, he? I think. Yes, he he sculpted. Uh, actually, uh, there was a crossword clue over the weekend. I didn't realize he's a famous <laughs> sculptor called the Thinker, and apparently yeah. that is that is Dante pondering uh, the seven circles of hell. And I I didn't know that, so that, that's a little wow. bit of trivia for you as well. Yeah. Wow! I told you this show would go down some rabbit holes. Right. Uh, TC, I want to bring it back to you within Spiral to ask you. Yeah, look. I, Brendan's now questioning whether we're harsh on her to call her unreliable. Nine to four for the Sun Chariot. Uh, six is from 12 to the Breeders' Cup Mile and six is from eight to the QE2, right, currently. Mm. Any of those targets could be on her agenda. But are we being unfair to call her unreliable or is it a case with, like, punters and fans? Well, for me personally in life, once scarred, that's it. And they get the unreliable, unlikable yeah. tag. I, I'm not. I don't come back from those disappointments too easily. Well, she has been beaten at sevens on in the Falmouth. She was Thank beaten you. at odds on at Ascot on the back end, and I'd give her a pass at Goodwood because they clearly sacrificed her to try and get Paddington beaten. So it's it would be it'd be much easier for them to just say, right, we're going to ride this filly to finish second, and she may well have done, but obviously she she was given no chance there, and. So the striking thing about Saturday, uh, Sunday was she actually went off at a bet for SP of 12.5. So, you know, she's a kind of like horse that maybe, you know, punters don't warm to because of that. I wouldn't say it's an inconsistent profile, but, you know, when horses get beat at that short a price, they will always carry that kind of label around with them. But, um, yeah, but just a second point. I, I, I sent it through to you, your guys yesterday. I was amazed. I know he's done a lot of jet seeing. I was amazed. Frankie's only ridden 97 times in the UK this year. It's for him to be riding. I know he blew out in the Shergar Cup. For him to be riding at that level with so few day in, day out rides is is quite something, isn't it? 97 rides. It's I, I thought we've had far, far more. Yeah, it doesn't it it feels like very little when you think that we're well past the halfway point in the year. Um there was one other horse to mention, Brendan, and I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but unless 
has been cut for the Yorkshire Oaks off the back of taking the listed race at the Curra. And the reason that I'm just coming to you for the last word on this is because the one thing that strikes me about her profile is it's the sort of profile that Brendan Duke loves. Trained by Aidan O'Brien, loads mm. of racing, improving mm. all the time. Surely this is one of the ones that gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what is Aiden doing? I mean, what, what took him so long to step her up and trip? It was so obvious. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> the, the, man can, the man can do no wrong. And in fairness, she didn't break her maiden uh, till May. And Clemmy is the, is the dam. So there'll be, there'll be a lot of speed there. But she was very strong over 10 furlongs. Would definitely suggest on run style that uh, she, she takes more after uh, Justify uh, that, than Clemmy. And as, as we know, Aiden's not afraid to run him. So you, you could see her rocking up in a Yorkshire the Yorkshire Oaks, uh, that was a, an ordinary enough uh, r- race yesterday. Um, she'd obviously need to take a big step forward, but he, he'll give it a go. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Right, let's move on, guys. News and views section. Um, a few little bits and pieces to get through, a few events during the week to talk about. But we will kick off, Kevin, with developments in terms of Irish racing broadcasting. Obviously, there's been a bit of turbulent times in regards to the rights situation and then the government gambling situation as well. Um, where are we at and what's the latest developments, please? Um, look, basically, look, it's a, it's a very long term story in that the, the gambling legislation in Ireland like, is very, very outdated. And it's been kind of coming forever that they that they that they're to update it with it with a new act, and um, we got to see a draft of it there not so long ago. And uh, there's some really like, a lot of it. It's all well intended, um, and I suppose it's reflective of um, the the changing position of um, of the perception of gambling in, in wider society. You know, we've really seen it in the UK as well, of course, with affordability checks incoming and all that. But um, this is Ireland's version of, of reforming the sector. And so look, there's a lot of um, good, well-meaning stuff in there um, and necessary um, necessary changes too. But there's a few bits in there that, that are particularly worrying. And the one that, that has become a point of focus is this ban on um, gambling-related advertising, you know, within um, daytime hours, essentially, um, which, which is well-intended. Um, the, the thought being that they don't want um, vulnerable people, young people seeing gambling adverts. Um, so that, that's the, the well-intended part of it. But the, the unintended consequence of that, of course, is it'll actually like, like play massive havoc with basically everything to do with racing because we know that um, betting and racing are linked at the hip um, in terms of financial structures and everything else. Like the, 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 the one, one can't, well, racing certainly can't exist without, um, without betting without uh, revenues that come from from that that industry um and if that act did proceed as it's written um sky sports racing and racing tv have both come out and said yeah basically we, we won't be able to provide a service in ireland because it'll be completely unviable um and the way it's been explained to me from a from an ssr point of view like is that they they'd basically if this happened they'd basically have two options and they'd be spending seven figures on creating uh, like a bespoke Irish service without um, any of this uh, advertising or, or betting-related content, um, which, you know, from a business point of view, would just be complete lunacy and unviable or pull the service altogether from Ireland. So you'd be in a perverse situation where if you were sitting in my living room here in Tipperary and you wanted to watch the Curra, um, you you couldn't do so. You'd have to uh, go to a betting shop or go to the UK to watch something that's happening up the road. Um, which would be, um, you know, crippling for the industry, I dare say. So um, people are rightly um, getting um, in- engaged and mobilised on this. And uh, I know a group of, a big group of Wexford-based um, trainers and point-to-point handlers and industry figures have been canvassing um, James Brown, who, who's the who's a Wexford-based politician who 
is um, overseeing all of this in an effort to get him to see and realize the, the unintended consequence of um, their, their um, you know, clearly well-meaning actions. So um, that's where it is. Look, we're at, we're at a kind of a draft stage of this. So there is opportunity for it to be changed. Um, as we often say in this game, like, surely they'll see um, how ill-advised this particular aspect of it is and they'll change it. But um, it's always dangerous to assume. So it's probably worth making plenty of noise about and um, talking to your local representative even um, to try and, you know, get this changed and um, get, get get it revised so that, that it doesn't happen. Because if it did, it would be a, it'd be a fair old shocker, as they say. So people are sort of, as you say, activating movement and change and canvassing of opinions, et cetera, et cetera, uh, within the industry. TC, did you have anything more to add? You were agreeing no, it, that it, we, just, can't, uh, we can't. It, it's wrong in racing to ever assume that anything will happen or that common sense will prevail. Yeah, it's like the old saying, that the assumptions are mother of all fuck-ups, isn't it? And we've seen, we've seen over here with the affordability checks and the white paper and the, some of the proposals that are still set to go on uh, about, you know, punters, you know, ability to actually pay for something that they love doing. Um, that's still a very, very real danger over here. So I think, you know, if you assume that common sense will prevail over that, uh, and you concepts will prevail over the Irish picture situation. Uh, you may just be heading for a fall. Uh, I think people have got to be active, active on that over in Ireland, and just like really kind of like hammer it out. Because if you have a less affair approach to stuff like this, and just assume uh, situations will right itself, uh, I think you know, like I said, it's it's flawed. Brendan, I feel like you're a man of the people over in Ireland. Mm. I feel like you've got an ear to the ground in the real, like, public fan base. Do people yeah. generally just presume this won't happen? Like, come on, guys, this can't and won't happen. Let's just all yeah. not make a song and dance. Yeah, no, well, maybe it's just birds of a feather flocking together. And I, I, I always appreciate the Under Siege 2 reference from Tony. That's an absolute jaffa. What a, what a film. But, right, uh, back to more, but no, so savage. But back to more serious issues. Yeah, I just assumed, again, that because Irish racing, it, it, like, there's a lot of, powerful people in Irish racing and it's a very strong lobby and you have the rural lobby on your side that they, they just have the word in the right ears and, and, and make this go away but I, I, I saw Kevin's call to arms to I mean maybe I'll have to I'll have to have a word with my local politicians I don't like dealing with them you know that you, you feel dirty afterwards they're just basically <laughs> they're just basically trying to infringe on freedoms all the time they can't leave well enough alone the baronet actually spoke about this very eloquently in his race and post piece uh, over the weekend. But I'll have to get down and dirty and send a letter to my local politician. So nice. I'm yeah, gonna like, like, look, look, like the vibe is it would be fine, it'll get sorted. But um, I just would be cautious of of um, uh, of doing nothing because I think that that was a trap that probably we as a game fell into with the affordability checks. We didn't make enough noise early yeah. enough. Um, and before you know it, it's down in black and white and proceeding. Um, so hopefully that that'll get resolved, but hopefully this will get resolved too. So um, I think you can never you can never make enough noise because it, you, you, you'd be full of regret if you didn't, and it, um, it, it proceeded. Are you sure okay. you're going to have enough time in your busy schedule, Brendan, to write a letter? Uh, yes, yeah, 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 good plan. Yeah, good pushed, plan. pushed. Um, TC, I want to come, let's move the topic on. I want to yeah. talk about Brighton. Brighton on Friday? Was it? Yeah. Was it Friday? Feels like yeah, it was Friday. Friday, Friday yeah. So yeah. What we had at Brighton on Friday is essentially the race meeting called off uh, after the first race due to the fact that visibility was so low you couldn't see what was going on due to a uh, mist at the seaside venue, essentially fog, mist, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the carnage started even before the first race because there was no stalls for the first five and a half furlong sprint first race on the card due to the fact that the stalls handlers were stuck in traffic. So there were no handlers. The stalls were there, meant that they had to start a uh, flag start, essentially, which was, of course, a complete disaster with sprinters. What could possibly go around? <laughs> as, as you would expect, flag start in the mist and fog at Brighton with five and a half furlong sprinters went down an absolute treat as I'm sure you can imagine with punters half the field lost any chance at the start and then you couldn't see what was going on anyway because of the lack of visibility 
visibility due to the fog. Then there was a two-hour delay. Uh, it, was, it, was okay, it was okay, though, Vanessa, because they surely avoided the race, didn't they? <laughs> Honestly, I, I no no hang on because then the, the the continuous disarray was that uh then clearly no one really knew what to do it was a complete fucking disaster excuse my french and then they waited two hours the fog didn't lift and they called the meeting off anyway and the first race was not indeed voided so oh, wait. Honestly, That's if you want to summary of what happened, but TC was very vocal on Twitter about no, this complete fast. So you tell me, TC, what should have happened? You're right. running the world. What, what, what should have right, happened? This is what did happen, right? So the C threat came. <laughs> Tony's jumping. Oh, honestly, right? I, I was <laughs> tweeting about. I was watching this shit show unfold. And for about an hour before they actually got the first race off, I'm saying, you know, this can't, this can't be allowed to go on. And I'm doing it, and then people started following me from. Uh, Hong Kong and stuff like that and said, you know, and I think, um, can't remember, Charlene, somebody followed me and I think she's got a presence over there and she said, this can't be allowed to happen. Anyway, I say, you've got a sea threat coming in. The first race is at 2.30. The stall handlers uh, weren't there apparently and this they're all stuck on the M25. The mystery of that is, this is a three-day meeting at Brighton and this is the third day. So why aren't the stalls handlers just staying local? But it's that's the first thing. But it's like just absolutely bizarre. So they're stuck in traffic, and the first race is at two thirty, and nobody can see anything. So you know, racing is a spectator sport, and you couldn't see anything anyway. So it compounds. So the first race is a five furlong handicap. Uh, so they go down to the start. Nobody can see a thing. Even the even the uh, Sky Sports racing camera is, tr is just even at the start. It's like you can't really make it out. So some somebody decides, right? Oh, we're going to run the five runner five runner handicap with a flip start. Now, one day eventually got it on. I mean, it was two non runners, and you know, to compound the problems, there was as a horse withdrawn at the start because it got upset, etc. So. The comedy ensued that they actually thought starting a five furlong handicap on a flip start was a good idea and was going to work out. So when they got it off, one was facing the wrong way, one reared up, three were right out the back, and the race proceeded to go off. And nobody knew what was happening until they emerged out of the mist about less than a furlong out. So given that all the furore about the stalls opening fractionally later Epsom last in June, you think, right, Anybody who saw that, right, that's got to be for it because it wasn't a fair start. And nobody just seemed to ask the question uh, of the uh, of the guy, the BHA on there the other day. You had, I'll name them because obviously I'll name them. I mean, I, Jamie, Jamie Lynch and Dave Orton in the studio were laughing about it and they shouldn't be laughing about it. They should be saying, hang on, that race should be void. And it was just, it was just incredibly inept on every single level. Now, that race was run, and I'm not saying this was a factor in it. Normally, in English racing, I'm not sure what's her situation in Ireland. Normally, in UK racing, a meeting has to have three races run for, for no refunds to be automatically given. Now, in, it, in the Brighton race card, it said only one race has to be run for, for uh, you know, not to be automatically refunded on, on the back of that. So... I had a look into it and Brighton are saying, please contact them. Um, you know, I don't know what the situation of refunds here. They, they've left it on Twitter saying, oh, come back to us about refunds. I suspect they will give refunds to everybody there. But it was just bizarre. I mean, the first race was job at 240. They kept on putting it back, kept on putting it back. They actually only abandoned this after a 445 inspection. Now, I appreciate it's the height of summer. Um, I and they're, I appreciate they're trying to give things. the meeting every chance of going. Yeah, but, ahead. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I get, I get that. And if I was there with a group of friends, and, and it made me laugh actually, because the race that did go on was a celebrating Dave Dark's 80th birthday, and trust me, that was a dark day in in every respect. I cannot believe um, how far down the ladder the punters are in this sport. I can't believe that. Sky Sports Racing weren't more strident about actually, you know, talking the talk here. And I couldn't, I expected to read the racing post the next morning and I expected them to say, disgrace, why was that race run? Why was that race not voided? And literally nothing. The apathy 
in this sport towards punters and and doing the right thing. Honestly, it, it was the biggest farce I can remember in recent years. And given that the BHA record and, you know, racing shooting itself in the foot in the last two to three years, even, I just thought it was absolutely comical Absol- from start to finish. I mean, who thought five furlong flip start race in, in fog was a good thing to do? I think, look, I get what you're saying. I think, you know, in the moment, whether you're on the telly with Sky Sports Racing or whether you're a steward at the track, there's just so many unknowns in the moment, like, and you've got to make a sharp decision, Kev. And in this instance, somebody, for instance, with the flip start idea for the five foot long handicap, you know, someone's made a choice that that's the way to go to try and get the meeting underway. I don't know, like you can see that they're caught. Am I being too forgiving? They're caught between a rock and a hard place with an incident like this with so many unknowns. Yeah, but yeah, like it, it was a punchy decision to try and drive on with, with the, the two factors. You know, the, the fog was bad enough now, but no stalls is, you know... Has would you be more forgiving if they? Would you be more forgiving if they'd if they'd run the race as they did with the flip start, the carnage at the start, the fog, etc., and then they'd come out and voided that race and said the meeting's off? Would that would would you be more satisfied? With that? They didn't have to call the meeting off there. Then they could have voided that race and then waited. Yeah, because it's it just like it, it was. It was a bad example. Like it was just a bad, bad case on so many levels. Um, like literally, uh, like. Look up the dictionary definition of farce. Like, and this this fits it quite nicely. Um, and look, look, people want to get races run. Everyone's there, horses there, people there. Everyone wants to run them, but sometimes you have to take your beating a little bit, you know, and um, and wait. You know, I think waiting was probably the call here. You know, don't attempt flag starts with sprinters. Like, has that ever ended well? You know, I know sometimes it's absolutely necessary because stalls break and there's no. There's no realistic possibility of having stalls. Like stalls handlers run their way. It would have got there, like, you know, eventually, one assumes. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, it was a bad one. Now, I think it, it'll probably be held up as an example of what not to do um, going forward, because that, that just, and, and it's easy to be wise after the event now, but you wouldn't have needed to be Sherlock Holmes to, 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 to anticipate how wrong that was, that could have went. Um, considering both factors, you know, one one yeah. of those in isolation would have been enough, but the, the two coming together now was, yeah, not good. Okay, we move on because we are running out of time and we need to talk again about saunas, Brendan. Sauna mm. time. Saunas mm. have really come to the top of the news pecking order, specifically in the last two weeks. But again, this week, um, Tom Marquand coming out, the PJA coming out, Dr. Like, Every, everybody coming out and talking in defence of the saunas being taken away, but also arguing they should come back. Um, there's been a lot of words spoken, including by Kev on ITV on Saturday. We will come to that. But, oh, well, should we? No, let's start with you, Brendan, because I think you and Kev have differing views on the sauna situation. How is this going to pan out? Are saunas going to come back or are they going to stay out, Brendan? Well, I think they're going to, because I think Tony mentioned it last week, it's too expensive to, to, to bring them back. Again, we have to be careful with race course rumours. Uh, but I was talking to a fella in Nice on Monday and he said, do you know the way uh, Wolverhampton, you have to walk through a hotel to get to Wolverhampton. He said yeah. the jockeys are using the sauna in that hotel in Wolverhampton. Now, whether the race course are organising that for them or the jockeys are doing it off their own bat, I don't know. But it, it, again, it, this seems to, to be very much a, a cost issue. If it was free to put the saunas back, I think they'd definitely put the saunas back because the, and again, you do go around in circles about this because it was someone tweeted me on uh, on twitter and he said this is a problem without a solution and i mean that that, that that's a hard thing to admit but sometimes it's just impossible i i that was in reference to a tweet that i said that surely raising the weights isn't the answer because raising the weights logically to me just means that there's more people who can boil down to whatever the the, the weight has been uh, has gone up to the only reason i can see to raise the weights is if you want to 
increase the overall pool of jockeys that are available to you, which might be something that has to happen. And it has been happening as a, a gradual process as the human population gets heavier. I mean, you just have to have a certain pool of people who can physically do this. I get that. Um, but just just raising the weights. But I, I mean, if they've taken the sauna away from them and they're not giving them the saunas back, then they should surely give them the, the carrot that, that they originally gave them in terms of the three pounds weight rise, which they then took off them. That doesn't seem fair at all. I'd like to see how, how that was justified. So we've, we've taken the saunas away because of COVID, but we give you three pounds. Now the saunas haven't come back and neither is your three pounds. Well, that doesn't seem fair at all. And uh, Chapman, I thought Chapman and Kevin were very good indeed. They, um, they, they, he, 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 he's very much of the opinion that the PGA have been absent at, at, at the wheel on this issue and on, on, on a number of issues. And I also, I mean, this was just, I thought it was a great insight into, into the BHA. I, I didn't know this until you mentioned that they sent a survey and the survey, one of the questions was, do you want saunas? But he said it, it wasn't a yes or no answer. And it was very much, you're very much reminded of, you know, David Brent, uh, not at all to some extent, very much so, don't know, you know, and uh, <laughs> the jockeys, of course, going down through this survey. So they were, the tier, of course, about those multiple choice answers is you can uh, frame it in, 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 in a way that, that, that suits you. So I, I'm not in favour of raising weights generally, but if you're going to take the saunas away and the carrot is to give them an allowance, then that allowance does have to come back. That that, that, that seems logical to me. So, Kev, what's the counter-argument counter then? You were making the case for raising the weights on ITV racing, weren't you? No, no, I wasn't really making the case for anything, really. I was just kind of trying to give both sides because I, I, I don't have a strong view. Like, it's extremely difficult. Um, like, in fairness, when, when, they took, when they took away the saunas, they took away the three-pound COVID allowance, but they did raise the weights by two pounds. So they kind of gained two pounds uh, as such in, uh, in 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 exchange for the saunas. Um, and look, it's 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 a mess, and there's other aspects to this. It's not simply an an argument to enforce saunas. I think they've basically they've ripped out the saunas and all the tracks, and they've they've converted them into ladies' changing rooms. I think in a lot of cases, and uh, basically, it's it's if they were to if they were to try and put them back in, there would be a massive, massive cost issue. Um, like you can get mobile saunas now. In other words, if there was a mobile sauna in Cashel there, there not so long ago, you could go in and um do some do some do hot yoga in a mobile sauna. So if they really wanted to, I'm sure they could wheel a sauna onto racetracks as needed. But uh ah, look, it's 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 really messy. You you know, no matter what you do, you're not solving the problem, you're just moving the problem. You know, if you if you bring back saunas, you bring the the the, the sweating onto the track as opposed to being off the track if you raise the weights and you're just you're just moving the problem there'll always be people that are sweating and trying to trying to get down to lower weights than they, than they probably should be um like the answer really to this issue and it won't be satisfactory for everyone is probably um you know for for the jockeys to work with medical professionals to set a health what's considered a healthy weight and you can't and you can't ride lower than that. You know we have something along those lines in Ireland, um, and it, it it hasn't caused too much ruptures. But it's a little bit like the old the old concussion tests. You know, you, for the concussion test, you have to set a parameter. And the old the old trick is you go in and you give you give dozy answers when you're setting your parameters, so that if you get your bell wrong and you get your concussion test, you um you you might you might be able to score high enough to to pass the doctor. Um, so look, this is really messy. Nothing's going to stop jockeys sweating. Nothing's going to stop jockeys having to having to manage their weight. Um, probably to 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 beyond where they should. You know, nothing's going to stop that. It's been the same since since you know since there's been racing. Um, it's just a case of how you make it as healthy as possible for them. Um, but then the counter to it again is they're they're they're, they're humans. They have um, they can make decisions for themselves, and they would argue that, they, that if they want to push their bodies to the limits and they can do it um, in in their mind safely, then they should be allowed to do so. So I I find this really difficult to to come up on one side or the other as to what the right or wrong thing is. I don't think there is a right or wrong thing. I think it's what, what's safest, what's most practical, what's fairest on the jockeys um, who have uh, an extremely tough existence as it is with weight management being perhaps the most difficult aspect of it. So 
Um, I, I, I really, I don't want to come down strongly either side. I think it's extremely tough. Last word to you on this, TC. You work with plenty of jockeys that will have done over the years and they're the ones that ultimately have been shafted here. I know it might have been their own doing. I know there was a survey. I know all the details, et cetera, et cetera, from back in COVID. But ultimately, when you look at the fact that they've had the COVID allowance taken away, yes, the two pounds given to them, but they've also had the saunas taken away. They're, then they're the ones having the tough time of it here. They've been shafted. Um, I think Brendan put it perfectly. It is a problem without a solution. The, you know, the BHA are not going to budge on this. Um, no. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of saunas. A, a, a big tip for all you drinkers out there. Before you go in an afternoon session, just go down your day, local David Lloyd. Do the sauna, cold shower, swimming pool, steam room, cold plunge pool. And then go out. And then go on the day on the piss. You feel wow. an absolute million dollars by the time you started there. So I've got a, really, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. people. You know, I was actually this. I went it might be dehydrating before you rehydrate. So it might be the drinker's equivalent of the jockey situation. Yeah, maybe very similar. I went to a Sunday lunch yesterday with some friends, and saunas got discussed because I didn't realise this because I'm of an innocent mind. But mm. apparently, public saunas at like the likes of David Lloyd and other such clubs. Uh, a place where people aim to do bad stuff in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're basically both sexes in the same room, aren't they, in, in very hot conditions. and Extraordinary. Couldn't imagine anything worse. Anyway, we've, di we've digressed it. We've digressed you it. You don't actually. even like people touching you, so it's hardly surprising, <laughs> is it? That is true, that is true. But it does link back to the fact that if they were to bring back saunas, they'd have to have male and female saunas. That's been discussed. Mm. No, no, has, I wouldn't have thought that was that was a problem at all. Me going to any. No, I, don't, I think it's just been discussed as a as a point amid the conversation. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I could I could I could go anywhere around here and go to a sauna, and it'll be kind of like both sexes in there. Yeah, no, no, I get that, I get that. It's just been bounced around, I think, amid the conversation of saunas in weighing rooms for jockeys. Um, we're nearly times up, guys. We have a couple of other points to discuss on the running order. Um, do you want to give a mention, Kev, to the ladies' team at the Shergar Cup? We've already mentioned that you've enjoyed your day out there with ITV Racing, something a bit different. And, of course, Safi and Holly Doyle really shining for the ladies. But Safi's really riding the crest of a wave at the moment. Seems team events are her thing. Double on Racing League night, where the Irish had a winner as well. FYI, if you've missed that, boom. And then another double at Ascot on Shergar Cup day, all on ITV Racing. Um, she's really, as I say, riding the crest of a wave and she talks so well as well about like, I found it very interesting, sort of her development. She feels that this is the first year that everything's clicked for her and she's, you know, as stylish as she wants to be in the saddle at this point now. Yeah, she looks happy, looks at the full, the full package, doesn't she? Like she's a highly credentialed horsewoman, um, rides really well, you know, much improved, um, speaks really well, looks the part, you know, really, really marketable. Um, like she can go as far as she wants to go, I'd say. And like the, it's a good example. Like people are, are often cynical about the racing league, et cetera. But the racing league, like really put her on a pedestal the last couple of years. Um, you know, she's obviously grown to, to even greater things this year in particular. But, you know, that was, that was a big thing for her the last couple of years, you know, um, with Jamie managing the team, her dad. And like it, it was, it was, it was really where certainly for me anyway, where she really, came to prominence and she's booted on and she's had had her first group winner and um, she's getting great opportunities and yeah she she's she's a bit of a star isn't she um, and she's she's going to keep driving on and um yeah the, the ladies team always outperform in the in the Shergar Cup you know because like that was that was it was particularly tight you know as a team competition on paper um I, I, beforehand on Saturday and she, they, they did really well again and I got my crowd wrong um I, I heard on the day someone said there was 17,000 people there but I just read there was over 25,000 people there so um you know for, people slag it every year it's 20 years in existence people slag it every year but you know geez they get a big crowd in there every just, year just very quickly um, I mean Simon Knott does his um view from the ring for a for another bookmaker and he just said there was they're not only People, load of people there, but a lot of people there betting going into the ring. So yeah, I think it was a success on every level, and 
yeah, I, I echo the thoughts about Osborne. She looks an absolute superstar. But then again, remember Sammy Jo Bell when she took the Shergar Cup by storm a few years ago? I mean, she was retired about 18 months later. But Osborne's there to stay and, you know, she looks destined to be at the top table before long. She she does look a real good. Well, as, as Tony Montana would say, first you get the racing league, then you get the Shergar Cup, then you get the power. <laughs> Then you get the woman, which doesn't really work for Sappy Dad. But she's on the she's on the crowd. It's all it's all about the racing league, isn't it, Kev? Is that is that Sopranos? I've never seen if that's Sopranos, I've never seen them. No, no, Scarface. That's that's Scarface. All right, sorry. Um, The last point, Brendan, on this show is going to you for a quick mention to free race days in Ireland. We're talking about crowds, nice link from crowds at the show. Crowds over in Ireland, a few race courses in the last week or so have opened their gates free of charge to the public, being backed by sponsors and bookies covering the cost. Not really mm. sure how the workings work out, but the point is, is free days in Ireland. How's that gone down? Well, it's just, it definitely has made a difference. Now, oh. whether, whether it's the way forward, I don't know, because it's a bank holiday card in Nace. Kevin has mentioned before, and indeed I would agree with him, that it's probably the best run track in the country. They would have got a crowd, they always do, but it was one of the bigger crowds I've seen recently. Uh, lots of people there, lots of families. They gave away a trip to watch Ireland play in the Rugby World Cup, did a great job with that. Uh, they assigned a horse for each of the people in the draw to, in, in in the sales race and that worked really well and it was just a great atmosphere in the place a lot of families and the same in the Curragh on Saturday it was Ballyhane stood on, on Monday and on Saturday the Irish Bookmakers Association again I don't know the costs involved but a really good crowd great atmosphere uh, the, the horses getting uh, cheered in uh, when, the, when they won the race and cheered into the winner's enclosure it definitely made a difference now whether it's worth the course as well in terms of how much they lose on the gate versus i'm sure that the tote turnover was up i'm sure the concession stands did great business i'm sure the bars did great business but whether that makes up for the gate receipts it would have probably been 20 quid into the car on saturday 15 quid into nace on, on monday i don't know it'd be just interesting to hear i imagine they report back to the powers that be but whether you'll see more free race days in, in, in Irish racing, it does seem to make a difference to people. I, su- I, I suppose the thing is that it's like it's very hard to get into anywhere for free. But that's the argument is that should you give it away? Like if mm-hmm. I went down to watch a League of Ireland match or I wanted to watch a, a GAA match, you know, say a league game in the GAA. Um, I'd probably pay 10 or 15 quid in there, maybe 20 quid, and I'd happily pay it. So should Irish Racing give it away for free? I don't know is the answer. I just thought it was it was just interesting that the, it, it does make a difference to crowds. That's all. Yeah, and that was always the argument, Brendan, because like this has been raised a few times as a possibility, you know, especially with midweek cards. You know, just, just let them in. Open the gates, get them in. And the argument always was, oh, you devalue your product if you if you make it free. Um, but I was at NACE on Monday, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, look, it was a bank holiday. The weather was lovely, but it was buzzing. And I think when you make it free, it, it makes it very easy for more casual people to float in and float out. You know yourself, when you pay somewhere, you don't want to go in and leave after an hour. And I, I was actually very late arriving in. I was only I was arriving after the third or fourth race, I'd say. And there was people coming out, but it was still but and there was people still going in as well. Um, but that's the kind of the freedom that you that that having it free gives you and look i'd be all for it especially for midweek cards especially for industry cards that you know aren't going to get a big crowd anyway from a race course point of view you you might lose on the gate well you will lose on the gate how much i don't know because you you know as well as i do brendan irish racing is just remarkable for pulling and dragging to get free tickets um you know the 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 number of people that actually pay to go racing in ireland would be a fascinating number um but but get them in you know show them a good time these nice was buzzing you know they have that they have a crash on site like people can bring you know it's just playground on site you know i absolutely ideal for families um get them in show them a good time and you get a great chance of them coming back with the, with their wallet in hand next time and they'll certainly be spending money when they're in there um so i'd be all for 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 midweek racing in particular you know non-festival mid mid midweek racing um and i think it would be a great means to potentially get those people to come back that, that you might capture otherwise yeah, I mean, that's the dream result, isn't it? That they go racing for free, they have a great day out, thoroughly enjoy themselves, and then they pay to come back the next time, basically. Um, but my mother would say that you shouldn't give anything away for free in life. So 
you know. Mm-hmm. I can see. But well, you, you, you do, you do get them. You know, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to come in and spend money. You know, it's yeah, a difficult good. thing to to spend a few hours at a racetrack and not spend a few quid. So it, um, yeah, you know, it's the the, the the long con, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I right. suppose if you Guys. if you can get the nag factor in, if the kids are nagging the parents, that's what gets them back. Yeah, that could happen. Mm-hmm. That's fair. The nag factor. Uh, on that note, guys, we've got to wrap up because if Barry Orr was manning this ship, he'd be shouting hands by now. We'd all be in trouble. Um, so that's about it for this week's episode of Wade In. Guys, we are, of course, back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. TC will be back on Saturday with his Twitter Spaces, second episode, second go. Um, so stay tuned for that. Head over to the Betfair Racing Twitter handle for that and TC's own Twitter handle for more details. That way you will get a very insightful look at Saturday's racing. But anyway, in the meantime, enjoy your week. Have a good one. Thank you very much, as always, for listening and viewing. And join us again on Thursday, as I say, for Racing Only Better. Bye.